Hey, everybody, we're here live with a couple of my good friends, my co-host Jeff Barrett, as well as Stephen Cook, who is a former CMO of Samsung North America, a big executive at Coca-Cola, and a host of other great companies. We're talking quite a bit right now about the need for businesses to be focused on experiences. What's the experience you're creating for your customers, whether you're in retail, travel and hospitality, financial services, education, or anything else? So we're excited to have a, a big-time executive and friend of ours to, to talk through and give us his thoughts on, on experience business. Stephen, Jeff, welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah, I love it. I love these conversations. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, Stephen, first off, I, you've heard us talk quite a bit about the idea of experience business and needing to be focused on the experience. You know, technology plays a role in that. People play a role in that. But would love to get your thoughts as you've as you've kind of heard and mold over in your mind what Adobe has said about experience business. What does it mean to you? Well, the notion of an experience business and and living in the experience economy has been building for several decades now. And at the end of the day, for me, an experience business means a business knows who I am, what I've bought, what I am predisposed to like and has a very personalized relationship with me in a very engaging way at every touch point. To me, that's the definition of what an experienced business needs to do. And, and it's very important today to become an experienced business and to become the best experienced business in the categories that you compete. And here's why. Almost every category, whether it's B2C, B2B, B2Government, there's more than one competitor that is virtually the same on every benefit and feature that is important to sell in that category. And I think going forward, being able to deliver a personalized, customized, real-time, digital, and offline experience to the buyer uh, is going to be the key differentiator. Hey, Stephen, Jeff Barrett, resident millennial, asking obviously the millennial question, what both with millennial consumers and with millennials entering more um, you know, senior roles in leadership, uh, how are millennials driving this experience uh, revolution? Well, millennials, and you know, thank goodness for millennials because they're they're changing. Well, they're they're you know that that mindset and the the lifetime experience of growing up post internet post-mobile, uh, is changing the way uh, that businesses deal with everybody, not just millennials, and I'm all for that. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you think about what somebody who was born in the millennial age has experienced their entire life, they're, they're accustomed to instantaneous gratification. They're accustomed to rich media being uh, the the way that they engage with brands. They're, they're accustomed to Mobile, obviously, uh, and they're and they're accustomed to uh, on-demand information and being able to find the information they want on their terms on whatever screen they're on. And th these are these are expectations of all of us now. And that, you know, there should be no senior marketer that doesn't un or business person that doesn't understand that. So talk me through, Stephen, as as you've had some experiences with some some of the best brands on earth. Talk me through how you've seen some of these brands really focus on experience. So let me go back two decades, pre-digital. Actually, let me go back further than that. Let's go back to um, pre-big business, pre-mass businesses. And if you think about the relationship that a retailer that had one store had with each of their customers, it was a one-to-one -one relationship. And if you think about those dynamics that happened where 
that retail owner understood um, that consumer, understood their lifestyle, understood who was in their household, understood previous uh, buying decisions and questions. Fast forward into a digital age, we now have the digital capability to capture all of that information. And we're, we're, we're actually going back to that age of relationship, but in a digital form. And I think you know businesses really need to think, uh, think about things that way. How can I have a relationship with you as a business on your terms so that you want to do business with me more often, buy more items, become a brand advocate of mine, drive other people to my store? And it's, it's really that simple, but it's complex at the same time. Stephen, how do smaller businesses um, apply this? Well, it's going to be different for every type of business and competitive situation, but there are enough what I'll call MarTech solutions. Actually, there are too many MarTech solutions <laughs> if, you, if you follow Scott Brinker. And um, you know, I know I'm talking with Adobe here, and I write for CMO.com, which is owned by Adobe. So... I don't want this to sound like I'm uh, pushing Adobe products, so I'll, I'll step back for a minute. If, if I were a small business owner or a big business owner, what I would be looking for is uh, a suite, not point solutions, but a suite that uh, conveniently connects a variety of different types of software packages that I will need to run my business to, to deliver uh, an experience to my consumers to be able to um, retrieve uh, digital assets and other big data uh, from, from my data warehouse, I need a dashboard that pulls all that together and makes it easy. Adobe, in my opinion, is the best provider of that, but there, there are other choices out there. So I would, I would investigate what my choices are and you know, start to use and, 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 and commit yourself to the product suite that, is, that makes sense for you. That's the easiest to use. That's, that is the easiest to have your, your employees you know, learn about and learn how to use and, and to use most efficiently and productively. That's what I would do. And part of the experience, like you said, is big data and you know, intuition and in creating that experience. So with that, do you think people, especially consumers, are, are willing and ready to give up all information to have a more convenient and better consumer experience? Well, you know, this is the privacy and, uh, and you know, creepy factor that, that we all hear about at various conferences. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there are different uh, cohorts, either by generation or by uh, the way that they look at the world, uh, that feel uh, comfortable giving a company their information if they feel they're getting value in, in, in exchange. And I, this is a very important principle. I think even for millennials, they will let you have access to their information knowingly, uh, but you've got to give me something of value in return. And, and if you don't give that to me, I'm not going to give you my information and I'll stop engaging with you. I, I think on the, on the other side of the spectrum, there are people that are concerned about giving up any information. And I, I, and I think the number of people in the world that realize that they're being tracked Anytime they're online, the more people that realize that's happening, uh, and as more hacking uh, happens in various types of businesses, I think there, there are going to be more people that are concerned about that. So being very overt with your consumers when they start to engage with you of how much effort you're going to to protect their information, how you're going to use their information, uh, it's, it's very important for companies to be transparent. This is a growing issue, but I think 
you know, after we get through that impasse, I think as people start to realize that they are benefiting as companies and, and bots and AI learn them better and the, and the consumer sees that they're actually getting benefit out of that, it's saving them time, they're only seeing products that are relevant for them, I, I think we will come out of that impasse. And I don't know when that's going to happen. But over time, I think there's going to be this relationship with, I understand you're using my data. Thank you for that. You've made life better and easy for me. Let's keep the relationship going. I love that. I love it, Stephen. The, the idea of, are you giving me value? You talked about the value exchange a little bit. You know, if I go to Nordstrom.com, for example, I really don't have any desire to be, to be served up red stilettos. I'm not going to wear them. Chances are if I buy them from my wife, she's going to tell me what she wants. I want to be served stuff that I actually care about. So I'm one of those that I'm okay with you having my data, using my data, as long as the experience itself is better. How often are you seeing those kind of experiences yourself? Well, you know, I, because I'm very public and I'm on all sorts of social media and I click on things when I'm on Facebook or LinkedIn. And, you know, every time I buy something, the behavioral retargeting bots are, are all over me. And it's, you know, and, I, and I've heard other people, you know, experts and, and brand marketers talking about this. That's very annoying. It's incredibly annoying. And the three of us are smarter about what's happening behind the screen than most people. And, and we know what's happening. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the smart digital marketers are going to make sure they're not being annoying, that they're, that they're not serving up things that are not relevant. So you need tools to do that. That's the only way you can scale experiential marketing. You need tools. You couldn't hire enough people. You wouldn't be able to afford it, and they all wouldn't work for you to be able to do this in a human way. You need intelligent digital systems to help you scale the right type of experiential marketing that isn't annoying, that is getting smarter over time about me to only give me things that are relevant. And the more you do that, the more you will differentiate yourself and stand out from the other brands in that competitive set that are also trying to get my business. Steven, so Twitter has its struggles. Snapchat just had a second straight earnings report below expectations. Are those kind of social media networks valuable because of the data and insight that they can create to help with these experiences? Uh, I think so. I'm a, I'm a heavy uh, Twitter user. Um, I, I don't use Snapchat. Um, it's not really designed for me, and, and they don't want somebody of my age group to be using it. But, but I, use, I use Twitter. I'm a heavy user of Facebook and LinkedIn. So I, I use you know, three big uh, social media platforms, and, and I'm very happy that all three of those platforms are tracking my behavior. I, I want information served up to me, uh, whether it's articles or ads, that is relevant for me. So I'm, I, I'm very happy with that value exchange, and I, and I want more of it. Stephen, talk to me a little bit about different companies that you've seen. You've been writing quite a bit recently uh, for CMO.com specifically, and, and would love to understand who are some companies you've interviewed that really understand this idea of creating good experiences? Well, I just interviewed the CMO of Roku in Santa Clara, not too far from your headquarters uh, in uh, San Jose. And this article will be published in September. There's going to be a special focus on media and entertainment on uh, CMO.com by Adobe in the September uh, 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 stories that are published. So it will be a, be a, a, a peer there. But Matthew, the CMO at Roku, he has a, a long um, 
uh, entertainment and, and over-the-air and digital and cable uh, broadcast experience. And he's helping Roku stay number one in their business. They are number one right now. And uh, what they do with their live streaming platform is they learn. They learn your behavior. And they will serve up programs that, based on their algorithms and your behavior, appear to be relevant for you. And if you think about all of the media choices that we now have, you know, who has the time <laughs> to go through Netflix and Amazon and Roku and, and you know, uh, over-the-air uh, uh, networks and, and 500 cable stations uh, to decide what you want to have appointment viewing for or what you want to, you know, watch on demand. None of us has that time. And the, one of the reasons Roku is number one is, they appreciate that dilemma. They, they learn about your behavior. They recommend things. They see what, what you uh, uh, say yes to and, and what you, you know, don't uh, tune into. So I, I think brands like Roku that, that, that realize that there is an abundance of choice, which in many categories is an issue right now. There's an abundance of choice. Uh, and, and how do I help you navigate respecting your time. Help, how do I help you navigate to find things that could be relevant for you? That's a great example. Stephen, do you think we're heading where each large and even mid-sized company will need to have a director of experience or a chief experience officer? And if so, what would that look like? The answer is yes. Whether chief experience officer falls uh, uh, into the existing chief marketing officer or chief revenue slash marketing officer role or is a separate uh, uh, person and function, time will tell. My personal uh, belief is that it should fall marketing and experience uh, and uh, should, should fall into the same group. For, for me, actually, I can see a day in the not-too-distant future where chief marketing officer as a title goes away. I actually think we're, we're at that day right now. And Mark, if you think back to the Adobe Summit and the think tank that we had, I actually made the comment that, that marketing, take that word, take that concept, is actually an outdated concept. And some people understood what I was saying. Some people misinterpreted and extrapolated. What, what do I mean by that? Marketing, put that in quotes, comes from push marketing. It comes from the last hundred years uh, Procter & Gamble and consumer packaged goods companies learning how to market a brand to you in a push media environment. We're not in that environment anymore. Yes, we still have push marketing. We have TV advertising, but we are in a pull environment on steroids. Now, now we're in an experience environment where the consumer has an abundance of choice, has to navigate through that, has to figure out who is going to understand me the best, and deliver the best experience and help me make smarter, more informed purchases and also feed back to me, you know, share with me other things that might be relevant. So I, I can see the day in the not too distant future where the CMO title becomes extinct and the chief experience officer is the leader of a group that's connected throughout the organization and with partners that is doing what used to be done in the old marketing organization, but is also leading the organization to understand at the end of the day, what we are all here to do is to create an experience and to build a relationship with consumers. So I've just talked myself into the CMO title going away. 
Which will I, be I, confusing, right? Because if it goes away and then it's chief executive officer and chief experience officer, then we've got a whole kerfuffle. But you make a really good point on the nature of technology and the choices that people have dictates how we react, right? It's not a, a you know one-on-one -on -one channel where we're just dictating to them what they need. You know, these companies have to be more responsive and make it more of a relationship, and that's where experience comes in. I just went through the uh, car buying, new car buying experience. And, you know, since uh, the Internet came about, I've always done my homework first before going to a dealer. I actually uh, get the deal done before I ever walk inside a physical dealership. And, uh, you know, I put my information into every car buying uh, platform out there. And it's, it's just amazing how stupid some of them are. And I won't mention them by name, but how, how old they are, how annoying they are, how they kept spamming me. And then there were others that gave me what I wanted in, a, in an information format that was extremely helpful. They didn't annoy me. They didn't, you know, have 10 car dealerships, take the big data 10 minutes after I entered my information and start accosting me. They, they dealt with me in a, in a respectable way. And, and I will use those car buying services in the future. But, you know, there were like probably a half dozen that I used. This is what any experienced marketer uh, needs to do today. You you constantly need to look at the other options that a consumer has. Walk in a consumer's shoes. Walk in their shoes and, and be a guinea pig every, I'd say every six months because the world's changing quickly. And make sure you're not one of the stupid platforms out there. Interesting. So Stephen, take me back in time a little bit. You've had some experiences with with some pretty incredible brands. How much have we progressed over time with with experiences as a as a former CMO at at Samsung? How did you focus on the experience then, or was it very much kind of the push marketing that you talked about a second ago? Well, it, it's interesting. The time that I was at Samsung was two thousand seven and two thousand and eight. The first iPhone was introduced. Twitter was launched. Facebook was starting to e emerge and scale. LinkedIn was was not introduced, but it was starting to scale. And um, this is, uh, it's actually an incredible question. Uh, one of the uh, areas that I had responsibility for at Samsung North America was managing, drum roll please, the Samsung experience uh, in the Time Warner building on Columbus Circle. And that, that was an experiment. And there were several other Samsung experience experiments around the world in London, other places in Europe, in Seoul, Korea. And it was a physical 10,000 square foot store. We didn't sell anything, but it was a place where you could come in and without being sold by a blue shirt, like would happen to you at a Best Buy, nothing wrong with Best Buy, I love Best Buy, but we were not selling anything. We had product, uh, not only that we were selling in the US, but we had Samsung products from all the different categories from around the world because that was pretty cool. And it helped us build brand equity about how big Samsung was and the different footprints that we had in different categories. But our objective there was to have human being experiential managers that would greet you at the, at the front of the 10,000 square foot store and talk to you first and find out what are you interested in and where are you from? What country are you from? And uh, we didn't ask you anything about, are you ready to buy a phone? Are you about ready to buy a dishwasher? Those questions were never asked. We wanted to understand what was going on in your head. What are you looking for? And it could have just been, I just want to come in and browse, and that's fine. 
but we would have literally white glove guided experiential tours based on what that human being wanted. And we would spend as much time as they wanted to demonstrating product, answering their questions. We would have subject matter experts come in that weren't Samsung employees, but let's say a a famous photographer. We would have them come in and, you know, during a a uh, 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 two-hour, you know, uh, stage show at Samsung Experience, we would have them show you how to use digital cameras, not necessarily Samsung digital cameras, to, to get people engaged in our technology. And we would then, you know, and but we never sold anything. People might ask us, where can I buy this product? And we would happily give them a list of stores in the New York metropolitan area. But if you think about that, that was an analog experience, but it was it was creating a relationship around product, but driven by consumer needs. Fast forward to 2017. This is what we've got to do as business and, and, and experiential leaders in a scaled way on digital, on people's mobile phones and every other touch point. Stephen, you almost took the question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask, what does technology allow us to do now in 2017? What are some things that wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago that now marketers can do? Well, deliver an experience that's relevant for me based on who I am and what I've bought uh, on my phone because that's my brain. That is my, my phone is my umbilical cord for everything I do in my life, plain and simple. And uh, we, we all are going to have even more umbilical cords, uh, you, know, you know, IOT umbilical cords, wearable umbilical cords. You probably saw, uh, and Jeff, you living in the uh, upper Midwest, you, you probably saw that company in, I think, somewhere in Wisconsin that is giving their employees the option to uh, have inserted a little IOT device into their hands that they, that they can use to buy things at a vending machine or come into the building or access information. And it's optional, of course, at this point. But that is an IoT device that, that presumably, theoretically, is going to make it easier for that employee to interact with uh, everything they need to do at work. So and I, I read something about a week ago that I think it's 20, 20, by 2030, it's either Forrester or one of the other uh, research houses, is predicting that most human beings in developed nations are going to have 19 IoT devices that are connected to them. So life is going to get more complex, not less complex, from a big data standpoint for business owners, large and small, uh, in a very short period of time, and, and more complex in terms of having all this information and making sense of it. Mining it, harvesting it, making sense of it, and being able to do that in a scaled way and in a personalized way. So the, the power of intelligent software suites is going to become even more important as time goes on. And again, this is going to sound like a plug for Adobe, but this is what I love about Adobe. I, I was a user of Adobe before I started writing for CMO.com, but having the privilege of being at the Adobe Summits and seeing what customers are doing today and being able to see the Adobe sneaks where you're seeing what's being, you know, played with and created and tested in the labs at Adobe. You know, it's just fascinating to me to see the art and science of scaled tools coming to a commercial state where business owners can use those. Talk to me a little bit, Stephen, about this idea of where do companies start? Where, where do they go next? If they're trying to get into this 
kind of experience idea. Uh, how do companies start? Well, as every person knows today that has a connected device, the first place to start is in a browser and spend time asking questions because every question that you could possibly have, there's an answer to it on the internet. Uh, I, I've, I've never asked anything where pages and pages of answers didn't come up. So if you're, if you're a big business owner or a small business owner, go to your browser, ask questions, and you will see white papers and content marketing answering your questions. Educate yourself, uh, number one. Number two, find industry associations and find peers in those associations that are further down the journey than you. And again, ask them questions. Look, look in their, uh, their data rooms. And there will be publications uh, from people who are further down the journey than you. So you, you have to educate yourself, number one. Number two, once you've educated yourself and, and you've got a, a short list of potential solutions, potential providers, go to their digital assets. See what information they have. Talk to one of their representatives. Uh, have meetings with them. Have them demonstrate things. And as you go through your, your decision funnel, um, you will get closer and closer to answers that are right for you, to solutions that are right for you. And at some point, you're going to have to commit. And hopefully, you'll make the right decision the first time. You may not, uh, because this is a learning process and it is a journey. But uh, you, at some point, you will get closer and closer to uh, finding the right solutions for you. And again, I would dissuade anybody listening to avoid point solutions. Uh, I'm not slamming them. I'm sure there are lots of great point solutions out there. But you're dealing with a very complex problem. Uh, investigate suites that appear to have a variety of solutions that are right for you. Because at the end of the day, and it, it may cost you more, and there's a possibility some of those solutions in that suite aren't 100% the best for you, but at the end of the day, you've got to be efficient, and you've got to find something that will scale across your organization, large or small, uh, where there are resources on the other end of the phone or the internet that can train you, teach you, support you. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're paying for. If, if you try to take the uh, inexpensive route, it's the old adage, you get what you pay for. Hey, Stephen, this is a really oddly specific question, but you were talking about this a little bit earlier. If, you know, when you get into IoT and creating you know, experiences while people are kind of walking through physical locations, um, right now, you know, you kind of have to opt into Bluetooth. Um, if you're not having to opt into Bluetooth, if we're able to you know, get people messaging based on location without them having to remember to do something. How drastically will that change how we can do experiences? Well, um, actually, it's ironic you mentioned that because I'm actually um, a CMO for a tech company. I'm a CMO for lots of tech companies uh, right now in Alpharetta, Georgia. I'm sitting in their office, and I can't tell you what it is because we haven't gone public yet. But uh, we are a technology that doesn't require a consumer to register on an app, uh, yet still be able to interact with a retailer and with brands seamlessly without ever having to disclose their personal information. And 
this platform, which is IP protected, allows a consumer, a retailer, and a brand to interact on a geolocation basis to buy things, to exchange information. Uh, but it does require uh, a Bluetooth connection. So um, I am not aware of uh, any technology that will allow a brand or a retailer to do a handshake, a digital handshake, with a consumer with some form of connectivity. So I'm, I have not come across that technology yet. No, me neither. But I'm, I'm thinking that might be one of, um, you know, we'll get better at, you know, finding that process out. And, you know, what you're talking about sounds really cool, too. It's, um, I think that ideally, perfect world, right? You, Whenever you're trying to come up with solutions, you take the existing technology out and you go, well, what would actually work the best? So if we can get to that point, um, whether we've got, you know, stuff that we can do through Wi-Fi or other um, you know, different versions of Wi-Fi. If you watch um, <laughs> Silicon Valley with that fake but you know plausible, um, you know, connected device Wi-Fi, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting things out there. Yeah, well, look, connectivity is going to get um, easier and less painful and seamless as time goes on. There, I'm sure there are people beyond that <laughs> Silicon Valley TV show, which is scary close to reality sometimes. Uh, there, there are people thinking about that problem. And if you think about uh, connected vehicles and autonomous vehicles, uh, uh, Elon Musk and Ford Motor Company and other companies in the automotive area are already thinking about how can I make it seamless and easy and a no-brainer for you to connect in your autonomous car as you're sitting there for three hours, not driving, but doing other things. And as an automobile, you know, autonomous vehicle manufacturer, I want to share in the revenue stream of what you're buying while you're sitting in my Tesla. So people are thinking about that already. Stephen, as, as we close up, we've heard some really great stuff from you today. And, and I, and I want to get kind of a final, a final prediction from you. As we talk about experiences and how the focus for all businesses and organizations needs to be on, on creating an experience that that creates brand advocacy, that, that creates customers that want to just be a, a rock star for your company. Where do you see it going? How's it going to change over the coming years? I'm going to use some non-technology words because uh, at the end of the day, it's about a consumer, and I'm putting consumer first for a reason. It's about a consumer choosing to have a relationship with a business, period, full stop. The how you do it uh, has to be human or human-like, and I say that because of artificial intelligence and bots that are happening now. It's got to be human-like. It has to be um, intuitive. It has to be easy, which is part of being intuitive. It has to be personalized. And from a business owner standpoint, it has to be scalable. Uh, if you can't scale it, it's an interesting experiment that can't be commercialized. And again, coming back to things that we've talked about, uh, if you want to have a relationship with me to earn my business, give me good reasons why I should have a relationship with you versus your competitors and, and know me and be helpful to me. And again, I've not used one technology word to describe where I think the future is going. And I think uh, it's very important for technologists and for engineers 
and I love engineers, I love technologists, I work with them all day long, all over the world, uh, don't get caught up in your underwear. Don't get, don't get so close to what you're creating and the buzzwords and, and the code. I, I really don't care about that. I know you're going to do a great job. Step back and walk in the consumer's shoes and appreciate how important it is for that consumer for you to take great care with my time and, and, and be helpful to me. At the end of the day, creating an experienced business is how can you be helpful to me in every sense of the word better than the other options I have to give you my credit card? It, it, it's really that simple, but it's a very hard thing to do. And that's how you will differentiate yourself, period. Stephen, this is awesome. As I look at that, those last statements that were very much not technology focused, but we're looking at number one, the most important piece is the consumer. The consumer needs to be very first. The consumer is choosing to have experiences with your business. So we better give them a good reason to do so because if we don't, there's hosts of other competitors that they could go to to be able to have those experiences. Stephen, any closing thoughts from you as we wrap up? Well, I, I just want to reinforce what you just said. Uh, and if you think about how quickly technology has progressed and how fast it will, it, it will only progress faster. Uh, think about, you know, anybody listening to this, think about your own behavior. When you go onto a website, whether it's on your phone, which is actually an even a tougher use case or on a, uh, any other screen, think about how quickly you can assess looking at that screen, how quickly you can access whether this is going to be a good experience or a bad experience. For me, it's probably less than a second. And, and, and I look at things very quickly. And again, this is what I love about Adobe. Uh, it's the, it's the vi we, we are visual beings. Human beings are visual. Before there was language, we, were, we interpreted the world through our eyes and ears and, and, and other sensory organs. Uh, there was no language. There was no internet. There was no, you know, texting. We are visual beings. It's hardwired into our DNA. And, and, and I think we're going to become, and this almost sounds like a paradox, the more, the more we rely on technology, I think we're going to become more reliant on visual and audible interpretation of what, what it comes in front of us. And we're going to make decisions much faster in nanoseconds of whether we stay on a site or, or quickly get off of that site and go to another company. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, we're here with Stephen Cook, former executive at Coca-Cola, as well as former CMO at Samsung North America, and a whole bunch of other companies, talking about the future of experiences, uh, the need for consumers to be very first. We'll catch you on the next episode.